passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Rewind raw, show number one of the week. Hello, eh? Hey, John, how are you? I'm doing well. Hmm. Okay. That's good. How are you? Oh, wait a minute. I I want an update. How is how's your chest? Damn. <laughs> oh man. Um. Boy, you're gonna have to explain this one. Yeah, actually. Um. Well, John graciously invited me over to his backyard this past weekend. Uh, probably for the first time ever, but I mean, my first time back at your house in like six months. So, um, thank you for that. I had a great time seeing you and seeing Max and seeing your, your wife, um, for the first time in six months. Um, anyway. And, and, and here are all these warnings, um, about the, you know, the, the risk of going out and here you found a new risk. Well, I did not expect the uh, the the main danger um, of going out to be a wasp sting, because within moments of sitting down in your backyard, man, we didn't even have the food out. Like it you was, were there five minutes. Oh, like man, I just like sometimes you know I don't know if your body like you might feel like a tingle or like an itch here and there, you know. Like so, I'm like walking around grabbing a beer. And then all of a sudden, like, I, okay, I feel like a little, like, weird, like a muscle, like, tickle. So I'm, like, scratching it. And then all of a sudden, a sharp pain, like, right in my stomach. And then I have to, I lift up my shirt, and a goddamn wasp flies out. It was, uh, it was, one like, one of the worst pains I felt in a very long time, actually. Like it, it was very visible. Like, this was not a, uh, oh, what's he even talking about? Like, you showed this bite, and I was, like, several feet away from you, and I could see, like, the redness that instantly formed from this bite. I mean, typically when you get bit, it's, like, you do something to provoke it. I mean, this was, uh, I mean, well, it I just saw I tra- you. I, and I trapped it in my shirt somehow. I guess that, that Gracie Jiu-Jitsu hoodie was very threatening to this wasp that was not, it was going to... Show its self-defense, uh, yeah. apparently. No, it was awful. I mean, it was like the pain I would describe as like, seriously, it's like, I guess like a needle, but like it it, th- it throbs and it almost like kind of spreads, you know, the venom. I could feel the venom spreading within me. Um, terrible. So the update right now, I mean, it's it's still very sore. It's still red, but like it doesn't wow. hurt. It's still, it's, it's just two, day, two days later. Wow. I mean, it just ditches. 
you know, I'm I'm really like the worst of it was probably within the the first like ten minutes, and afterwards it was fine. But I did not expect to be stung by a wasp in your backyard. Yeah, I mean, we've been getting all these bees in the backyard. Uh, I guess a mixture of wasps. It's sometimes hard to uh, differentiate. Man, you were on a rampage, like killing a bunch of these with your like just your shoe, you know? Oh, yeah, man. I had uh, by the end of it, we had, we had Jim Brunzel and B. Brian Blair laid out on my deck. I was like, I'm not these little bees. They think that they can get past me. I've got the reflexes of uh, of a cat okay you gotta be you gotta wake up early to get one past me i'm ready for these things that foot comes down boom business yeah it's all the timing timing is everything i killed a few of those on saturday but unfortunately didn't get to the the deadliest one that that one took you out i felt avenged thank you well i'm glad you're doing better uh yeah the injury was worrisome yeah. That is the injury update uh, for Way, But it was great to have you over, as well as uh, Pauline. It was great to see you again. We've now seen each other two weekends in a row. Well, it's been a, a record, actually, this year. But uh, I, I'm glad we were able to fit it in, because I honestly don't know how, how many other opportunities we'd be having for the rest of this year with the way things are going in Toronto. Yeah. Unfortunately, here in Ontario, our case numbers are quietly, or maybe not so quietly, increasing. We had over 300 new cases today so it's been i mean you compare it to other places i mean it's not a a daunting number but it's increasing here and i think with this month coming up there's definitely that concern that this might not be this may only be the uh, the tip of the iceberg as they are fearing the worst over the next couple of months it's enough to indicate that people are perhaps you know getting a little yeah too relaxed about it all um so you know i don't think this even really accounts for Everything that might have occurred through schooling, because school's only been out, if anything, for a week, if that. Only some. Like, there's, like, yeah. uh, public schools, I think, are only going back this week. Um, so there were some going back last week, and then others that are kind of staggered. Um, so, I mean, we, we haven't really get, even seen the full impact of that. Yeah, so, um, you know, who knows what's really going to happen, but I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if things reverted back to some sort of semi-lockdown like in our city well uh don't uh don't don't attend any anti-mask rallies that would be my advice for for people out there did you happen to see that that video that was circulating everywhere no. i mean it... i've i've really started to take a step back i watched over the weekend this thing on netflix that's been really popular i guess getting a lot of press it's this documentary called the social dilemma and just about like I guess the effect of social media um, and how it's been so positive. Um, well, here's the thing. I mean, there are definitely a lot of positive uses of, about it, but uh, as with anything, there's, there are two sides. And I, in particular, like the documentary, I'm sure like with any documentary, you could really poke holes at a lot of different things about it. But I think one point that it made that I found really fascinating was the link it kind of drew between like basically tribalism and, um, you know, things like Twitter and how, um, you know, of course, politics has always been a very heated thing, but is it is there a correlation between how heated politics tends to be right now or how politicized every issue seems to be right now and really like the increase of popularity of, of social media? Um, so I I recommend it. And, and it's really I mean, I've already felt this way for a long time, but for me, it's just prompted me to take a bigger step away from like just engaging in any of that bullshit. Yeah, I think that people struggle with that of like, where is the line between it 
wreaking, you know, significant effects on just your, your day-to-day uh, mental health, which, which I think this year more than any, the news can certainly uh, take a toll with versus apathy or just complete disengagement and how uninformed you are. Uh, I think that that is where, you know, this is a, this is a time that at its core, we should be as engaged as possible of learning and being aware of very important information day to day that that changes all the time. Like that's the whole part of this being a, a virus we have never dealt with before. There is new information coming. And I think a lot of people have that feeling of just wanting to do deal with none of it. And- see, see, I think there's a difference there, though, because like I'm trying to experiment myself. You know, can I keep up to date with wrestling news, for instance, without being on Twitter? And I just think back to like how we all used to do it before Twitter was a thing. Like we check our sites, we you know read the Observer, and like these things still exist. You know, we run a website for wrestling news. So, um, what what I try to mean is that can you follow news? Can you keep up to date without necessarily getting opinion? You know, and, and by that I mean you could still get your news fix if you're following reputable sources, if you have a, a selection of them, even. You can do it. It 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 can be done. But I think there's also just like a certain fatigue that people have that it's just you throw the baby out with the bathwater and it's not differentiating uh, between sources and sort of just being, um, you know, maybe not as as trustworthy in just certain outlets completely. Uh, I think you you have people driven to to that extreme reaction as well. For sure, absolutely. Um, I I don't know if there's a perfect solution whatsoever. I just know that, like, me personally, it's just, man, the opinion of just even if it's a good opinion or a bad opinion, I just I there's just so much noise that I'm just trying to cut cut back on. Well, uh, before we get into uh, the noise in professional wrestling and MMA, um, this is a very big month coming up, our busiest of the year with the G1 kicking off this Saturday and Sunday with shows in Osaka. And that means the start of our G1 podcasts for our post-wrestling cafe members. And so I have to mention that off the top. First one will drop on Saturday after the A Block show. And what we're going to do for, for just Saturday's show, uh, cafe members, you will get that show first. And then Saturday night, we are going to release that one for everybody to get a sample of what is to come over the next month if you're new to the site. And Sunday, that show will be exclusive for cafe members. So it's a great time to sign up for the Post Wrestling Cafe. You will get in total 19 G1 podcast between now and October the 18th when the G1 wraps up. But I uh, want to mention that off the top. Plus, we're going to have great coverage on the site uh, with monkey buckles from Twitter and Mike Murray with their reports for the A and B block, respectively. Uh, so lots and lots of G1 coverage in audio and written form at Post Wrestling. Does Monkey Buckles have a real name? Or, or I mean, is, it, is that the real name? Or is that how we're going to Well, the to last time he did that great Wrestle Kingdom report, he did go by his real name of Mark Buckledy. Uh, but I think people might be familiar with his uh, very popular Twitter handle out there. So we will identify him as both. Okay, mon- Monkey Buckles it is. <laughs> You know, whatever you want to put on the resume is uh, is fine by me. Um, so all of that is coming your way. Uh, plus, if you are a cafe member, what a week it is. We've got Tuesday night, Rewind Away, covering the Great American Bash of 1990. I had a gap there of whether this week was Rewind Away or not. But it is because I watched the show to talk about with you on Tuesday night. Ric Flair versus Sting from 30 years ago. 
Yeah, 30 whole years. We're traveling backwards even a bit further than uh, the Halloween Havoc Chamber of Horrors this time, a year back, to the Great American Bash. A, a different type of era, a different type of presentation of professional wrestling in WCW. Uh, what a difference a year makes. So uh, I look forward to kind of talking more about this, I would say, more uh, sports-like presentation. Certainly. I mean, this was a big match that they had uh, built up and then got delayed when Sting suffered his knee injury earlier that year. This is the big comeback and title match, and it's all built around Sting. Like, this is the anointing of Sting on the show and a very well-remembered uh, WCW pay-per-view from 30 years back. It's the only thing I welcome this week. Oh, boy. Just set you up for that one. Beautiful. Uh, also, uh, Andrew Thompson is going to have an interview with Merrick Brave from the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy, who I think uh, you and I had a booth next to at the very first StarCast. Oh, okay. Wow, cool. They were like right next to us, as I recall. Um, so look out for that with Andrew Thompson, who, my God, can we can we keep up with all his new YouTube subscribers? The man was shooting for 300. That was his goal last week. He's he's top 400 now. Really? Wow. Okay. Well, well, come on, everybody. Let's, by this week, let's aim to get this guy up to 500. Um, I think, like, when you get to, like, uh, wait, uh, custom, can you, what is the, what is the number you need to get a custom URL? Oh, I can't remember what the number is. Is it a thousand? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. I'm not sure. Andrew Thompson interviews on YouTube. Just hit the subscribe button. There's no harm in it. Oh, All you're going to get are the best interviews going. It's it's actually 100, so I guess he, he's already eligible. But come on, 500 is a nice round number anyway. I'm sure it's 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 that much more beneficial for like algorithms and all that. All right. Well, uh, ch- check that out. Another interview from Andrew coming out on Tuesday. Wednesday, we're back to head-to-head because AEW returns to Wednesday nights. So that means we have... Rewind to Dynamite with the two of us, and then Braden and Davey with Up Next. So we will be going back to head-to-head with those two. On Friday, we have a series of shows coming out. We will be live 10.15 Eastern Time for all cafe members with Rewind to SmackDown. And as Braden and Davey mark one year since the launch of their Patreon, they are re-releasing their best match ever, which, might I say, they might as well just call best podcast ever because I was the guest when we discussed the best matches of Stan Hansen's career. This was a very fun show. We did a couple of months back on their Patreon. They're going to release it for free on Friday on the post wrestling feed. So you can uh, check out that. That was a very fun show going through some of the best matches of Stan Hansen's career. Yeah. And, and sorry, is that on our feed or is it on their feed? Uh, I was told it was going to be on our feed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. I will double check though. Yes, but, uh, you're right. Look, you're, look out right. for that. Okay. Uh, then Saturday and Sunday we have the G1 shows. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and, and the Rocky Maivia picture show, as you. Oh, mentioned. of course. I buried the lead. The Rocky Maivia picture show, which is hosted by Nate Milton, and this week he is going to be joined by not just Chris from LA, but Brandon from New Jersey. Jeez, wow! Uh, the first podcast, full podcast, I suppose we're going to get. From- I. This is going to be a podcast not to miss. Amazing. 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 Let's do it. So that's coming out Saturday. Look out for that. Uh, postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com. Those are your go-to spots. We got to keep this train rolling, everybody, because lots of news to get into. Uh, I'm going to start off with two uh, MMA stories, and then we'll get into the wrestling stuff. Uh, for those that did not follow this story over the weekend, uh, once again, centers around Conor McGregor. Uh, there was a complaint filed 
last Thursday in France, where Connor was uh, accusing the fighter of attempted sexual assault and sexual exhibition. And uh, TMZ has posted these photos, which were from Friday, where there were uh, officers in conversation with Conor McGregor. And on Saturday, uh, McGregor uh, had been detained and questioned. Uh, his his legal representative is denying the accusations made against McGregor. And another rep has stated that no charges have been filed against Conor. And uh, Dana White was asked about this over the weekend during the uh, the Q&A with the media. He said he does not know anything more about the story than the people, than the public does. He's read what everyone else has read, and he doesn't know anything more about it uh, at that point. Of course, there have been, you know, a lot of bad stories that have followed uh, Conor McGregor over the past number of years. This is not the first time a story like this has uh, popped up, but his manager, Adi Attar, uh, gave this statement to MMA Fighting. I am irate. And putting out a warning loud and clear, Conor McGregor is not and will not be a target for those seeking to score a headline or a payday. And they are pretty vehement in their denial of these accusations. But nonetheless, he was uh, he was brought in for questioning uh, regarding this on Saturday. So we will see what comes of this. But I mean, you know, there's just a lot of stories that have followed uh, Conor McGregor. And I think it has, you know, it's... I, I, I don't really know what the uh, the end result of this will be. If uh, if McGregor is, in fact, uh, free and clear of this, I'm sure he is going to fight these charges and continue to deny them. Yeah, there's not much to say about it right now. Um, there, was lots, there was lots to say on Sunday night for a rally that Donald Trump held because of who was in attendance. Not just Dana White, but we had Colby Covington, who is fighting this Saturday in Las Vegas. We had Justin Gaethje, who is fighting next month against Khabib Nurmagomedov. Henry Cejudo was there. And this this rally uh, received quite a lot of attention because it was held indoors in Nevada at this uh, manufacturing plant, and it violated the state orders because it had more than 50 people. And as you could see the videos... Um, Masks were not a priority for most of the people here at this uh, at this rally in Henderson, Nevada, and to the point that the governor of Nevada, Steve Sisolak, uh, came out uh, after the the rally, and he was furious uh, about this and just how reckless it was and putting other people in Nevada at risk. And you know, we can we can look at certainly just the. Uh, the public uh, danger of doing something like this in this climate. But I mean, if you're just strictly looking at the UFC's point of view, I mean, you're looking at Dana White, who has to head over to Fight Island next week for five weeks. You've got a main event this Saturday. You've got a huge title fight next month. It just seems that um, I don't know if this would have been the uh, the wisest event to be attending just selfishly for your own business if you are the UFC. But I guess uh, they felt, hey, it was worth the risk to be there in the presence of Donald Trump to hear his speech. Doesn't surprise me. Moving over to the professional wrestling side of things, we have uh, an update on Ivar. This was reported by Brian Alvarez on Monday's Wrestling Observer Live that he is set to go for neck surgery on Tuesday. So unfortunate news for Ivar and probably going to be a significant period of time before we see him back after last uh, Monday's injury. Yeah, um, I mean, something, anything to do with the neck um, is, is incredibly sensitive, and 
we wish him the best. Um, it, 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 it definitely, I, I don't know what plans they would have had for the Viking Raiders uh, either way, but certainly the draft would have like refreshed a whole lot of things right now. Um, I, I, I have to, we don't know how long the recovery will be. Um, neck and, is going to be long. Like that's, that's going to be, yeah. uh, I guess the, the next question is like where, where Eric fits in and, in a, in a in a strange way, like this this raw underground, like maybe that is a way to somewhat repackage him during this this period. And because you always look at when whenever these happen with tag teams, whether it's been AOP or for the longest time with the Usos up until recently, it one goes down and that kind of sidelines the other one as well. And hopefully that's not the case for Eric if he's healthy to go. And I mean, he was on Raw tonight, but it was a very small role he had. Yeah, my prediction is that I, I I don't know if they would have any plans for him as a as a singles guy. Um, it's it it he just doesn't necessarily strike me as the act that they they value um in that level. Like especially when there's so many singles guys that are still looking for storylines. Um, I you know maybe Raw Underground is like one of these random people that just make appearances ever so often. Like like a what is it the Riddick Moss? Um, he could be another body for Braun Strowman to beat up, I suppose. Sure, why not? Last Friday, SmackDown, a big number for them. 2,329,000 viewers on Fox. That was their highest number since the go-home edition of SmackDown leading into WrestleMania. So you have to go all the way back to April. Uh, they did a point six in the main demo, which was the top number for all of network television. Uh, they were se- uh, second only to, or third, to the two NBA games uh, prior to that. So this was v- very solid. Um I guess they, they tied uh, 2020 on ABC for uh, for network programmings in the demo. But uh, th- this, to me, is a clear break from what you can attribute to any kind of Thunderdome novelty. And this, to me, I, I put largely on the Reigns character and the Bailey program with Sasha Banks. Like, those were the two things that they pushed. And I look at that as the, as the jump because this was higher than any of their, you know, Thunderdome numbers. Yeah, it's a really good sign and a really good sign that I think the crowd is sticking around for story and they're sticking around for significant characters. Uh, maybe, you know, I'm sure the Thunderdome might have some uh, something to do with it, just the overall presentation. But it's a good sign to me that um, the company is being rewarded for interesting, fresh storytelling. Uh, but on Raw, it doesn't seem to be the same story. But they care about their fans more than any other sports or entertainment out there because of the Thunderdome. That's, that was the line. They, they had that twice. They made that clear to you. We care about our fans more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, what, what a love letter. Hmm. Um, but yeah, this is very, very strong news for, for SmackDown and not surprising. Like tonight's promo, it's, it's pushing like the same stuff, like the Rones, the, the Reigns, Jey Uso program. And maybe jumping the gun a bit, uh, announcing that Sasha will be back this Friday, which seems the timing like you could have maybe waited on this one a little with the Nikki Cross program in motion. Um, but I, I mean, that is the hot program. It's not Bailey and Nikki, it's Bailey and Sasha. Sasha's the draw. You know, I imagine maybe you still want to keep this program fresh in people's minds. Maybe it's just an appearance. Um, maybe it's a via satellite type of thing. We'll see. But I think getting her name out there rather than just you know, promoting Nikki versus Bailey and really kind of losing steam off of that that program. I, I don't think it's a bad decision. A few AEW notes. Um, 
TSN in Canada has announced that they will be carrying this one-hour edition of Dynamite that was taped. Uh, they're going to air it next Tuesday, September the 22nd, time TBA. Um, so we'll get the two-hour Dynamite this Wednesday, and then this one-hour show that they taped uh, will air next Tuesday. Um, and is, there, is TNT getting that? Yeah, it's going to air on TNT and TSN in Canada. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I, I'm sure they're just going to promote this on, on Wednesday because they really haven't mentioned any of it on their own platforms yet. Uh, what they have announced, though, is they're introducing this season pass where those that are attending the shows in Daly's Place will have the option uh, to buy this pass that's good for seven tapings starting with the September 23rd uh, edition of Dynamite. It's going to be priced at $175, which works out to like $25 a show. And this is going to cover televised live events in September, October, and into November. Um, you know, it's tough to be selling tickets uh, when you're just going right back and you're not going to get people traveling in any numbers to Jacksonville. And I think you're going with this idea that those that are willing to go, let, let's try and get them spread out and they're going to come to multiple shows. Um, but interesting to see like what the being one of the few companies that is selling tickets, what some of the ideas they're, they're going to come up with are. And this seems to be one to entice people to come back multiple times rather than just re repeatedly buying tickets one by one. Yeah. If you're going to sell tickets, I mean, it makes sense to me to do some sort of seasons pass thing. Um, perhaps, you know, I wonder what sort of like um, thinking behind uh, perhaps COVID uh, safety would have went into an idea like this. Uh, is there, you know, does it have any effect on perhaps being able to trace people better or keeping the numbers like uh, contained and, and not so much spread over a series or a number of, 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 of people coming in every single week? I'm not really sure. Um, but I imagine like these things must have been thought about. Uh, New Japan has announced uh, right after the G1, they're going to come back immediately, just five days later, with the Road to Power Struggle Tour. So these guys are not going to get any downtime. Uh, it's a 10-date tour leading into Power Struggle, which will take place November 7th in Osaka, the same day as Full Gear. And this will probably be their last major show of the year. Presumably, they'll still go ahead with the tag tournament in December, but... Uh, yeah, you will get uh, the G1 finals on a, on a Sunday, and then they're coming back Friday with their next tour. So uh, not, not the usual gap that they get between tours after the G1. And then you have November, uh, like you mentioned, probably for the tag, um, tag league, and then right to Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, if, they're, you know, if things continue at, at this pace, it seems like they will continue to go. Um, I, I'm still very curious of what... Uh, what the financials are like to rent a Tokyo Dome when you can only sell so many tickets or by January, might it be very different and they can sell that many more? Uh, it's mm -hmm. not going to be like past years where you have um, a significant percentage or at least a notable percentage that are flying over. I don't think that's going to be any kind of factor this year. It just, it, I just can't imagine people flying over for that event. If they stick to like, you know, a third, I mean, a third of, you know, uh, 70,000 or 60,000 is still, more more than what you could fit into the Corcuan Hall. Um, it, and, I, you know, this far out, I, I imagine it's, like, something that they've already committed to. I don't know if they offer refunds on, on the uh, booking of the Tokyo Dome. Um, I, I, I don't know. But I, I, I imagine it would still take place there. 
just even for the visual or anything. But um, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, you like, you know, considering how tight all the all the dates are, you have to imagine the foreign talent would probably be sticking there, right? Throughout the entire, certainly like maybe until the power struggle, rather than going back and forth and having a quarantine every single time. Oh, I I would say, yeah, if that's an option, if there's no reason that they have to leave, yeah, like there'd be no point to leave and, and have to come back, e- even if it was because we've got uh, October 18th is the last day of the G1, even if you have talent that we're only going to come back to do power struggle. I mean, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to to fly home and then have to come back and do a two week quarantine. I mean, you might as well just stay in the country at that point and do th- that tour. So um yeah it's it's gonna be tough for like someone like a kenta like presumably his family is still back here in the states um and that guy's gone for a month and uh what what do you do in in that case he's the one that you, you point at that you know has has a family that's based in florida now yeah yeah sure uh and any of the others that are li- that that live uh, here permanently um yeah and being the elite way. Yeah. The Michael Nakazawa show. A wonderful cover-up they created uh, for the Matt Seidel botch. Blaming it on Michael Nakazawa. Oiling up the turnbuckle. Bitter about not being booked in that casino battle royal. He wanted to be the Joker. Brilliant. I I laughed so hard. I thought this was so funny. Like These guys are really great at just... Nothing has to be a screw-up. It can be just a lovely gift that they turn into something like this. Then Michael Nakazawa explaining to Matt Seidel, oh, it's all my fault. No, no, it's no one's fault. No, it really was my fault. I put the lotion onto the turnbuckle. I was trying to break your neck. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had someone say something so mean to me. (laughs) That was great. Uh, What else? I mean... uh, you know what the funniest part was in that Dark Order bit in the bathroom was that Brody Lee got so pissed about the fact that not only what was written on there, but that the the outing was the fact that Stu was spelled incorrectly. They also misspelled Brody on the mirror. Oh, did they? Brody is D-I-E, and theirs was spelled like Bruiser Brody with a, like the D-Y on the mirror. So I thought right. that was going to be where that joke was going, but it, we ended it with uh with Stu. Mm. Yes, yes. Uh yeah, they continue to be standouts every week. So I think for full gear, uh the buy-in needs to be Michael Nakazawa versus Matt Seidel and Eddie Kingston versus a cookie. Because those are the two biggest programs that were built on this edition. Along <laughs> with, oh my god, that final scene uh with uh what's his name? Megabyte Ronnie. The competitive eater slash pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. This dude ate these two cakes, and dude, I felt sick to my stomach watching this. That's a different level of um, competition, man. Um, he's going to be on dark tomorrow. Um, I wonder how he will employ his gimmick <laughs> into a, a character. That whole Buffalo crew is on dark tomorrow night. Um, you've got uh, Daniel Garcia. Um, they're uh, who's he teaming with? With uh, Kevin Blackwood, and they're taking on Butcher and the Blade. Uh, and then you've got a uh, Ronnie as well on the show. So they're they're all like that same crew out of uh, like the Buffalo area. Interesting. 
So that's all over dark. All right. All of your news can be found at postwrestling.com and we move over to raw. Is there anything I'm forgetting? I don't think so. Okay. I'm never sure. Raw began with this weird, like thunder and lightning effect inside the arena. I think this was like just our Thunderdome pronouncement or something like that. I don't think this was meant to be like a retribution thing. It was just like this thunder and lightning for the Thunderdome that I hadn't noticed before if they have done it prior. I mean, it has to be called the Thunderdome for a reason. So thunders in there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Michael Cole is back again. This is in your face. Monday Night Raw. And Cole mentions that not just Tom Phillips, but Samoa Joe is also off this week. So our team is Michael Cole, Byron Saxton, and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, with that with that third chair uh, being musical chairs tonight with Dolph Ziggler, then MVP, then Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. I mean, we were just all over the place with uh, commentators tonight. Yeah. Why do you think Phillips was off again? I don't know. Um, I mean... <laughs> In this environment, everyone is going to to speculate, and it's not like the company is going to comment on any of that, but that's – no one knows the reason, but I can understand that's where people's heads are going to go. Like if someone is gone for multiple weeks, you're going to have that that thought. Right. But that is not confirmed. Drew McIntyre comes out, and (laughs) this is amazing. So Drew goes from career-ending injury to hairline – jaw fracture to now in the last week um it was if he's healthy he will get to defend his title at clash of champions he's not only healthy he's been cleared and now he's wrestling keith lee tonight and now the story is if randy orton is healthy he will challenge drew mcintyre at clash of champions he did say he was like he said it was a fragile jaw and he's like a head kick away from severe injury is what he claimed so why was he booked in a match tonight well, the rules for clearing somebody, I guess I, maybe he barely passed, or they're just they're very, very very lax rules. He is the champion, I guess. Wouldn't you want to preserve your main event? Like, wouldn't that be a concern? Like, this guy is a strike away from us losing our main event, the other half of which may not make it there either. Well, why would they sanction like Raw Underground? You know, why is it's why not, it's not sanctioned? Okay, why would they allow it to happen week after week? And why is retribution so good at coming into the arenas? Why why are the security guards so bad? Why does an Irish whip make somebody go forever? Why can't they just stop running? Well, I think that the the security being weak is your is your answer for for that loophole. Security's bad. They're exploiting a, a big gap in WWE's uh, security measures. So then I guess the medical people are bad too. For clearing people. Everybody who's an official backstage is just clearly incompetent at their job. No, because they haven't cleared Randy Orton. And he's not here. He's recovering. Well, his injury is more severe. Fresher. Okay. Gotcha. It's, it's it's a jaw as well. Yeah. So he says he's lucky it was only a fractured jaw. WWE personnel uh, told him to take time off. And... It's a non-displaced fracture, but if he took time off, he would have to forfeit the title. So he said no. So I can't even take a week off. Lose the title. Oh, so he th- says that's fine. I guess that's the explanation then. Uh, yes, I guess so. But he did take time off. But he missed the pay-per-view. Yeah, if he took any more time off, they would have to strip the title. Well, he says that he's fine. 
And he would rather do that than forfeit the title. That being um, his jaw being uh, sent into outer space. So he suggests that at Clash of Champions, him and Randy have an ambulance match. He then gave us a history of the Claymore kick and how he developed it while wearing leather pants that split and how the Scottish are allergic to underwear. So he basically implied that this was a mistake that occurred where his balls were exposed. And that took us to his Photoshop of all his Claymore victims in the hospital. Yeah, he did another Photoshop. I mean, I thought this one was perhaps more in reference to mock Randy Orton's bad Photoshop last week. So both of them completely failed. I mean, they they both feel very inconsistent with the type of characters that these two and the type of feud these two have been presenting thus far. Um, I would say they both received really flat reactions. Um, somebody's idea, I suppose, of furthering this feud. Um but yeah, we had a history of the Claymore, and I think the idea was just more so to like put the put the emphasis and the spotlight on Claymore as a move that is equal to the RKO, which you know might be yeah, maybe even the most or one of the most popular finishing moves in the WWE. Adam Pierce interrupted, and he states that Orton's injuries are unknown, but it's unlikely that he'll be here tonight, and that if Keith Lee beats Drew and Orton can't make it then Keith Lee will get the title match at Clash of Champions. Lee proceeded to walk out. They shook hands, and Lee doesn't let go of the grip, which the guy in the back, he was leaning over for his for his drink, and boom, he hit the oh sound when he wouldn't let go of the handshake. Yeah. Then, then Drew held on to the handshake. Audio engineer did not make the same mistake twice because they were silent for this one, and then they just faded to black for a commercial. You ever tried to like leave mid handshake and someone hasn't let go of you um, outside of Flip Gordon and Matt Jackson? I don't know if anyone's ever done this. Yeah, I, I usually wait for the handshake to finish before I turn and leave. Um, never been that in that big of a hurry or like mid handshake. I gotta go. What a what a it would be so weird if someone legit did that to you. How would you even respond to that? <laughs> Let go we of should, me? Next time, if we ever do a meet and greet again, like every handshake <laughs> should be one of these. Where do you think you're going? That's it. Yeah. Um, I don't have know. You and I ever, have you and I ever shook hands? I mean, I'm... We, uh, we, are, not, we are not an embracing type. Like, we don't hug. Oh, we, don't, we don't shake hands. You and I are well-suited for social distancing. I mean, we... You, you and I are the kings of the head nod. Yeah. We're very good with the head nod. Which is sure. fine. Sometimes we don't even do that. It, like, we were ahead of the curve. Very much so. The, our curve is negative. I mean, it's not even flat. It's like caving. It's yep. a big depression. Um, you know, I, I thought uh, McIntyre sounded really good here, as always. I don't really know how, how much anybody buys into the idea that he might not make it to the clash, but I suppose it's all being done just to show how severe the injury is to justify this ambulance thing. Um, sure. I guess it's it's fine. I just don't think anybody buys it. There's also the question of is is this Orton thing uh, something that they just had to work around? Like, was he always to be off this week? Uh, did they have to work this around in storyline? Is this something that fell into their laps? Because uh, it, it just feels a little sloppy the way this has all gone around. Like the Drew injury angle is going to turn out to be like a nothing angle because you're not going to get anything out of it. 
you might have, you know, a body part, I guess, for each of them to work over. Um, They're both going to work the jaws. I, I think the, perhaps the idea is to, you know, make both of their finishers, whether it be the Cunt Punt or the RKO or the uh, Claymore, like, that much more uh, devastating, I suppose. I just, I, I don't really think they sh- they need to, like, tease that. Man, uh, Randy Orton might not show up. Drew McIntyre might not show up. Like, really, like, at this point, nobody is buying into any sort of, sort of these t- types of, like, you know... Like it's, I almost feel like, I almost feel like I'm I'm like a dog, you know. Oh, you want it? You want the treats in this hand, and then you pull it away, and it's actually in the other hand, you know. Like, come on. Uh, I've been very high on on Drew's promos this whole period as champion, but I, I don't want to see this this comedic template uh, repeated because I, I no more so photoshops, many, please. No more photoshops and no more like dick jokes uh i just don't think this guy needs that kind of stuff and that always seems to be this painful blueprint that we've got to force baby faces into the hey the rock could do it we don't have the rock on this roster so let's not uh be going maybe it was path. a legit story i don't care it was not very funny and I, I that's great your your pants split um the street profits took on cesaro and shinsuke nakamura I completely forgot about this match until we started recapping the show. This felt so. This felt like it was last week on Raw. Coming off of la- coming off of last week's Raw, this was like the the big promoted match, like the fir- one of the first that they announced. Yeah, and you know, I feel I feel that we have like kind of moved on from looking at these shows in terms of like the same the same critical eye in terms of just like the safety measures in place. I think we've kind of reached a, a certain point where. These shows are going on. You're not hearing about any uh, flare-ups and stuff like that. But one of the things was when they were setting up the taping schedule was limiting guys going between uh, rosters. And this was one where I don't see this match as anything that enhanced this show uh, viewership-wise. And, you know, is is this really necessary? Like, one well, of the points... But, but on the pay-per-views, they're always mixing anyway. Well, we know that there are certain events that they're not going to be able to get around that. But to me, it's, okay, are you going to do brand-specific pay-per-views? No. We know there are going to be some where you have to um, spread between locker rooms. Was this one absolutely necessary? And after watching this, um, I don't know. It just seemed like, our, what, what, is the, what was the purpose of, of this for, g- given those precautions? I guess I'm not even thinking about those precautions in relation to like people jumping brands anymore. I mean, you just you've had consistently people move from place place to place. Bailey and Sasha were moving, you know, show to show. Um, for the longest time, those NXTs were sharing, like, were attending all the different shows. So I I don't even know if it's a concern of theirs. Um, so I I don't know if that they even thought about that here. I think they just wanted you know a significant match for the Street Profits to. Because there are no other tag teams. Cesaro cut a promo about uh, a breakfast for Tato that he threw his plate down when the waiter asked them about this match tonight. Um, I guess he was very excited for this champion versus champions match. Um, Nakamura made a joke about wanting the smoke at the end. I, I could not make out what he was saying. Cole, uh, I'm pretty sure he said what he, he said. said that. Yeah, we want the smoke or something. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're continuing to hear uh, Cesaro speak more. I'm really cheering for him. 
you know, I'm really cheering for him to like find a unique identity that can really impress the audience and especially Vince. Um, thus far, I don't know if he's hit that yet. I would say probably not, but you know, at least he sounds more comfortable. I just, I, I hope he, I, I don't know how, how many chances he'll get to speak honestly, like in his career. And this is one of those. Uh, so I heard, certainly hope that he does his best. Well, in this match, I thought he was the best. I thought he was great in this match. And Montez Ford and him, I thought, were, were great when they were in there together. But it was really Cesaro that was uh, kind of dictating things here. Um, we had Nakamura set up for the Kinshasa, but got caught with a spine buster by Dawkins. Ford then tags in, and he goes for the from the heavens, landing on Nakamura's knees, uh, but gets so high up. Then Cesaro does the swing onto Ford, presses him way up in the air, and hit him with the uppercut. This looked incredible. Nakamura then misses Dawkins on the floor, running his knee into the steps, and then Cesaro repeatedly hits Ford with uppercuts, goes for the deadlift vertical when Dawkins blind tags in, and right after Cesaro hits the superplex, uh, he gets hit with the cash-out splash, and Dawkins pins him at 928. And I think certainly you could um, continue this with a rematch down the road. It was presented more like Dawkins just caught him uh, quickly. It was kind of uh, an abrupt finish, but uh, I did enjoy Cesaro and Montez Ford uh, during their time in this match. I did too. Uh, as always, you know, those two happen to be the, the standards of their team. But I thought Dawkins was really looking good here as well. He clearly has been improving. As Cole mentioned, he's lost a considerable amount of weight. And I think it shows. So I I hope they just get rid of that awful singlet. I, I, hate, the, I hate the singlet. There was a video for Mickey James going after her seventh women's title tonight. And then Angel Garza is flirting with Lana, and Lana's complaining about why Mickey got a title shot ahead of Natalia. Garza then gets interrupted by Vega and Andrade, and Vega is sick, or um, Garza is sick of being blamed for all of their setbacks when it was Andrade that got pinned last week. They argued, Vega says, F this, walks off, and Garza and Andrade fought for, I guess, the rest of the show. We never saw them again, so I presume they just kept brawling and no one bothered to break them up. So they broke themselves up. They'll, yeah, they'll fall asleep and pass out eventually. Yeah. Captivating. The Hurt Business came out, and MVP refers to Bobby Lashley as the CEO. Benjamin has gone from the gold standard to platinum status, and Cedric is officially a member of the Hurt Business. Alexander says this is a job... He's going to do what he needs to succeed. And he complained about all the beatdowns he took from these guys, by the way, that didn't allow him to play with his kids the next day. So he has now joined the bullies so that he can play with his kids on Tuesdays. Yeah, I mean, I understand, like, you know, the uh, saying of, of you can't, if you can't beat them, join them. I just don't know how often that applies to, like, people that are physically assaulting you every single week. Uh, to the point where you can't play with your children and, and family. Like, your family thought this was a good idea? Um, Yeah, I mean, Stockholm Syndrome is like a very real thing in wrestling, I guess. It's, it's just easy to succumb to. Ricochet and Apollo came out. They said that Cedric sold out. I mean, that's not debatable. He's literally acknowledged he has sold out here because he's getting paid more. Alexander says, 
I took beatings for Apollo while you were champion. And Ricochet says, we were supposed to be to be brothers and we're not begging you to come back to us, but now we're coming for you. So yeah. Ricochet and Apollo are going to say, you think you're going to play with your kids at home? Like hell you are. <laughs> That's how you really win somebody over by beating the shit out of them. So I think Ricochet, Ricochet is trying his best to beat the shit out of Cedric. So he'll join him. It's a wonderful message. So it was Ricochet versus Cedric Alexander. Ricochet hit a moonsault off the buckle to the floor, and then Cruz attacks Shelton, and then Lashley attacks Cruz, prompting Eric to run down, and he fought with Lashley. We come back, Alexander's in control, Ricochet fought back, hit a dragon suplex for a two-count, and then as he's selling his ribs, he climbs up, rolls through on the shooting star when, when he gets out of the way, and then Benjamin tries to distract as Alexander uh, rolls out of the way, hits a Michinoku driver for a two-count, and then catches Ricochet with the lumbar check, and Ricochet stayed down this time for the count of three. In 821, Alexander gets the win, and he's going home to play with his children with the winner's purse. So, I mean, the guy kind of justified his actions here. I mean, this was uh, a positive for him. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I guess so. Huge bounce off of that uh, lumbar check from Ricochet here. I thought this he, was a, he really yeah sold this well. I thought this was a good match, as you would expect, you know, from these two. I mean, um, this was definitely more so of a WWE style storytelling type of match than just maybe a spot fest. But like, I can't deny that I was more engaged in the characters with something like this because these two actually have a storyline now. And, you know, even though for me it was kind of hard to buy Cedric's explanation for why he joined the Hurt Business, I thought he delivered his message with a great deal of passion, as did Apollo and Ricochet, who both sounded really natural in their, their delivery. So if the end result of all this is just, like, larger on-air roles for Cedric, Ricochet, and Apollo, um, I think this is a positive, and I think the matches will, like, benefit from having bigger characters attached to them. Yeah, I think that you are probably just going to get a retread of a lot of these combinations over the next few weeks. Um, they need it because I don't know how many more of these like six mans between the hurt business and like these three I need. Well, this, this is kind of like when we see with those feuds though, like this was not a match that really you bring back with a rematch. I mean, this was Cedric Alexander won pretty clean here. And I just think we're going to revisit these matches. So I hope there's some added layers to this program beyond just well they're at odds with one another and they're going to fight every week uh, until you're sick of it i think you know several weeks now after payback it it is apparent to me that apollo is just kind of blending back into the background not really trying to um, regain the united states title from bobby lashley at all like he played sidekick essentially to ricochet here not to say he always has to be in in the forefront um, but I just got no indication of any sort of significant storyline with him. And it makes me wonder if he's just going to be in this role, if they have further plans for him after the draft. Um, yeah, I would hate to see him like, you know, kind of lose all that value they built up to, to this point. I mean, the guy did call it. He was afraid of losing the title because he'd go back to being where he was before. So, I mean, he kind of called his shot. Yeah, we'll see. Then the LED screens go out. It's in darkness, and then Retribution, trademark, appears. All of the logos are showing, and there are Retribution. So uh, we do have, uh, of the the five members that were most prominent here, we've got the speakers that are 
Dominic Dijakovic and Mercedes Martinez. And then the other three that were just flanking here by the side, we've got Mia Yim, Shane Thorne, and Dio Madden. So these have been the five that uh, I believe have been in these roles for a few weeks now. And they are on the internal roster list as the five members. And then, you know, you'll have the extras like we saw at the end of tonight's Raw. But those are the five we are working with here. And I mean, not even that... uh, they're not even concealing the identities all that much. I think you can pretty much tell the identities of most. With uh, Dijakovic, I did not transcribe this entire thing. He talked about being cast away like garbage, and then you become garbage. When you sell your soul to a corrupt machine, you become corrupt. We once believed that our time at the PC would lead to fame and wealth. We wouldn't suck up. And now we're prepared to show you who we are and we our retribution. So here are, uh, well, I'll say most of these members minus, uh, I guess Dio Madden who had, uh, been on NXT television over the last few months. So they were just, they were tired of it way. I mean, who wants to be stuck on the third brand? Yes. But it sounds like, yeah, the story is going to be like we were wallowing away in the, uh, in the warehouse. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, I mean, I, I feel like ultimately this, it had to kind of go in this direction. You know, I, I, I also do wonder like at the beginning of, of it all, was this always the plan, you know, to cast these specific members with this type of storyline, um, several weeks into this, I, I feel like this is sort of like the only con- like way you can take it. If you're going to bring back, you know, or bring up a Dijak or a Miyim, um, and they weren't shy about like revealing them they they even said that they were going to let people know exactly who they are so i feel like we're yeah, getting the reveal soon i think you build up to that that reveal but i mean one by one i mean they you know uh dijakovic had gotten written off with the killer cross injury mia yim just put over shotzi blackheart mercedes martinez last week with ripley and then kicked out of the robert stone brand so i mean it's uh you know you were all you know r- writing the ones that did have uh nxt stories off so yeah i would say you do you build up the reveal for at least a week, you would hope, and and do that. And then you've got to kind of figure out like the next steps of the of the story beyond that. Schreiber spoke to Mickey James. She loves this business, and Asuka's gonna bring the best out in her. And it's become clear that she has always had what it takes to be Raw Women's Champion. That's what fuels her, and she knows this could be her last chance to win the Raw Women's title. Which, if that is the case, I mean what a what an unfortunate end. Yeah, yeah, it would be. But I, I like the promo here. It was a really simple promo that gave you a really relatable story. You know, somebody going for perhaps their last chance at the Women's Championship. Um, I thought they did a good job of, like, making this particular title match seem seem like more than just an exhibition. They gave Mickey yep. some promo time, some a video package even. And, you know, things that took took up no more than probably two minutes of total airtime. But to me, they made a big difference in how invested I was in the match. They gave you a reason to want to root for her to win. Mm-hmm. Adam Pierce is scolding his security when the Hurt Business show up and says that you've got to find a better solution to retribution or else you might be fired. And MVP suggests they upgrade their security from boys to men, which I don't know if they're around to be protecting pro wrestlers. Yeah, are they even active? Uh, I don't know. They'd be in Philadelphia. Hmm. 
the Hurt Business, they don't run, and they will help Pierce keep his job. And he says, okay, fine. Thanks for volunteering, guys. And they laugh and say, we'll be sending you our bill. I thought this was like a logical way for like heels to move into a position of power. It's like the type of power play you would expect from, you know, a manager like MVP and a group of, of, of this sort of like, I don't know, um, uh, mission statement, you know, like it's a way to make the hurt business achieve more power within raw as an authority level muscle group, but doing it in a way without having this cliched heel authority figure. I mean, it's not like they were specifically picked out. They offered their services and essentially Adam Pierce really has no choice, but to accept them because he needs it. Who would have thought six months ago, we'd have Adam Pierce running both shows. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have, you know, of all the people backstage to choose from, I definitely didn't see Adam Pierce as sort of like that, that figurehead, but you know, they were teasing that he was going to get fired. If retribution isn't a problem that's solved, can you, I can definitely see that happening, you know, him getting beaten up or taken out or something. It does like that is, you know, an old go-to that they would do where you have the failing authority figure to build up to a Vince McMahon firing angle. I could see that with Pierce. Yeah. When they run their course with him. That's when Michael Cole says that here in the Thunderdome, no cardboard cutouts here. We have thousands, not hundreds of interactive WWE fans from around the world, which it is very rich to be able to say how much, how superior this is. I don't know if I would be so uh, ambitious to pat myself on the back when that first week featured uh, some horrific things making it to air on these screens. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very insecure company that always tries to, like, prove its worth amongst, you know, the, the, the big leagues. And as a result, I think it always appears minor league. Oscar and Mickey James, our most bizarre match. Uh, this started with a very intense, like Tommy Dreamer, C.W. Anderson, collar and elbow tie-up. They were just locked on. They were going down to the mat. Oscar tries the Oscar lock early on, but James grabs onto the rope. Uh, lots of kicks from, from Mickey. She goes to the top, Fez press, and then Oscar comes back with slaps, ducks a Mick kick, and hits the spinning back fist. James then applies a half crab, goes for another mick kick, but doesn't quite hit with all of her force onto Asuka, and the announcers call it out. And then Asuka goes for a flying armbar and transitions to the Asuka lock. Mickey does her counter, where she rolls back on top of Asuka, and then referee Derek Moore calls for the bell. Everyone, especially Mickey, were extremely confused. You had the submission, like, semi-applied by Asuka, but not really. And man, I don't know about you. I went and rewatched this. Like, was there like, did she hit her head or something? And they had like, I didn't see anything. I don't know what happened here. I have not the first clue as to what went on here, but this was, this just seemed like a mess at the end. And they could not have moved on quick enough with Zelina Vega coming out and forgetting about Mickey. No idea what happened. I mean, it looked like Mickey was continuing the sequence by, like, going for a pin attempt. And then somewhere in the mix, like, I don't know if she, mis like, tapped by accident or if the referee saw something. Who knows? Uh, but it was definitely 
really it awkward. It didn't seem like it was any kind of like injury. It just seemed like they were on totally different pages and this was just a mess on live TV. That's what it seemed like. But I, I don't even know what the deal was here. It was very sloppy. You know, again, I give them a ton of credit. I thought they made a great effort to make this feel like a, an epic match. It was laid out that way. A big video package and a promo from Mickey. I got into most of the match, but I actually felt like, you know, ending aside, I kind of felt Mickey looked a little awkward throughout much of it. I just don't know if it was like, you know, the ring rust or the nerves or something, but it it felt like not that smooth watching the whole thing. And the finish to me just kind of reflected most of the rest of this match. Um, but I like the booking a lot. It seems to begin like a sing- string of uh, successful title defenses for Asuka to continue to, you know, bolster her status as like a dominant women's champion. Uh, perhaps letting her run through the entire roster before it all resets with the draft. Yeah. Um, Zelina Vega walks out to confront Asuka. She's been thinking about her future and she's wasted the best years of her career managing those selfish ingrates and considers Asuka an ingrate. She was handed the Raw Women's title by one of the greatest in the world and she's been reckless defending this title so often. She's been too focused on the stars of of yesterday and not the best of today. Vega says she is ready for Asuka and Asuka laughs in her face. Vega slaps her and leaves and... It appears that we are going to get Oscar and Zelina Vega. Yeah, you know, like I said, I think you know you're just going to have Oscar run through pretty much everybody um, on Raw in these sort of exhibition matches. Um, essentially, kind of like making her title almost like a TV title with a weekly title defense. I think that's ultimately a good thing. Um, I just hope the matches, you know, live up to the Oscar standard. Did they did they state this was going to be TV? Because I I thought this is probably the, your clash match. Man, really? Oh man, I guess they didn't really. Specifically I mean, they, they say. only have how many more Raws until the pay per view? They have one more episode of Raw. Uh, you need a challenger for Oscar. They got a. They made that clear. All the belts are going to be defended. I guess you're right. Um, she just seems like such a. Low it's level a weak com- challenger that hasn't been built up at all. Like this yeah. is a completely cold. Like, you thought that uh, Lana was upset that Mickey got the title shot. She's going to be fuming over Zelina Vega, the manager, bypassing everyone. As an active competitor, Zelina hasn't even really had a lot of matches. If anything, anything, she's been involved in, like, multi-man matches or tag matches. Like, I would put Natalia as a challenger over her. It just seems everyone is tied up beyond Natalia. Like, realistically, the best story you had was this Mickey one that should have just been the pay-per-view. Hmm. Charlie is with Keith Lee. He has not enjoyed the fact that Drew has interfered in his matches. And they've talked about the inevitability that one day they'll have to face each other. Yes, in Keith Lee's three weeks on the main roster, they talked about one day we'll have to face each other. And here we are in week three. He knows that Drew will do anything to stay champion. He'll do whatever he must to become champion, even if it means going after that injury of his. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought that was actually a good question from Charlie for once. You know, the man has an injury. Will you be going after it? To me, that's like like a, an actually good question. Yeah. I mean, really, really showed his uh, his loyalty to Drew McIntyre, this, this deep friendship that has had uh, weeks of... of uh, well, I mean, it wasn't just that. I mean, the friendship is... They established that it was before he got to Raw. I mean, all those evolve cards, they work together. Well, yeah, that's it. You know, so 
I actually thought on this show they did a good job of sort of establishing the fact that these two knew each other from the past and they have some sort of connection beyond what we've seen on TV. Ziggler was out from commentary and replaced by MVP. Did Dolph Ziggler leave any impression on you in terms of being on commentary tonight? I mean, of course he's great. He's like one of the best talkers they have. And, you know, um, as a in-ring character, the man is stock is just, I don't think, ugh. Anytime like they try to push him as sort of like a serious competitor, I just groan because as much as I, I like him in ring, the character has just been so beaten by this point that I, I just I can't take him seriously in any sort of role. But I think as a commentator, he would be really refreshing. Um, he's very witty, um, knows of course all the stories, and is able to play heel or babyface really well. So in the future, this would definitely be a, a, a great way to. I don't know, um, get more mileage out of, I guess, his employment beyond uh, in-ring. Um, but it seemed like it was only temporary tonight. Lashley beat Eric. They went two minutes, 10 seconds. He took the double knees from Eric, kicked out, slammed them off the shoulders, and then won with the Hurt Lock in 210. Thank goodness they're committing to that name um, rather than the what? The, the full, full Lashley. I mean, at least like the Lashley Lock, it would be way way better. The full Lashley, please, come on. Uh, so I'm glad they they changed it. I, you know, this to me was like a really short exhibition match, entertaining, you know, who uh, and, and made Lashley look really strong. It almost felt like they were taking like that raw underground match formula, but just presenting it in a regular setting. Owens was interviewed and asked, why does Alistair Black hate you? He said, I don't know. He made a hot topic joke. He said a black sat in a dark room for a year asking someone to come fight him and no one cared to even go take him up on his offer. He said he's going to inflict pain and punishment and make black run back and hide. Shane McMahon is chatting with Jordan outside the raw underground freezer locker when Braun Strowman wanders onto raw and tells him to get out of his way, threatens to murder Shane, and he wants their best fighter. So we've got Braun Strowman on raw. Raw underground, underground. Yeah, this yeah. isn't a, this isn't a clear line from SmackDown to Raw. Well, there are no contracts on Raw Underground. Clearly, like people just volunteer for matches. Um, it's like the Upside Down. Yeah, there are no rules. I actually think like it's a cool little bonus they should keep. You know, like something to distinguish Raw Underground from other places. I mean, first of all, the having actual like winners and losers and maybe some sort of semblance of like structure in some of these matches and characters that reappear with some sort of narrative i think would be a good thing but another thing to add to it i think should be like the ability for raw smackdown or nxt to appear at any time you know um they try very hard to maintain some sort of illusion of like keeping up with this what is it periodic brand to brand invitational like what a fucking mouthful that is that can like, only happen uh quarterly so we, we okay. got our quarterly jump this uh, this quarter. Just say, just forget it, okay? Forget all that. Just open Raw Underground to anybody. Anybody can show up, okay? Like people from the past, people from the present, people from the future, like time travelers. Open it up to everybody. And then every week you have a surprise. And that, to me, would actually be an interesting draw for like a third hour. So what you're saying is that when you go underground, you can actually play an independent contractor, a real independent Ooh. contractor in this company. So maybe this is where you should get the raw underground crew 
allowed to do cameos and stuff. Like this is the area where you are allowed to be an independent contractor and you can go from show to show, you can bring people from other companies in. Well, from what I can tell, I, I don't, they don't seem to have any sort of uh, medical assistance whatsoever. So forget benefits, you know, they're, I don't even think they're getting paid. Uh, I guess they are getting paid, right? But like in cash, is that it? We've learned that <laughs> it's fight to the death or the other reason for a stoppage. This is way too big to give away without promotion. So who's making money here? Like, is Shane actually charging money for people to attend these things? Uh, is he getting a cut of the ad rates in the third hour? Maybe he's plugged hmm. into that. And then these independent contractors, they better be collectively bargaining for a cut of these, of whatever Shane is getting in revenue-wise. Well, you know what? Now we're getting to, like, the the business end of it, and that kind of makes takes the fun out of these random fight scenes doesn't it well I, I love a fantasy world of wwe programming where contracts don't are aren't un, aren't enforceable and that is raw underground yes seth rollins is in the locker room murphy comes in and rollins says they have to look to the future and they have a perfect opportunity to teach dominic a lesson tonight in the cage match murphy says he's ready and then gets the hell slapped out of him and tells Murphy to stay back here. I'm not going to deal with your stupid mistakes. There's no way you can take these seriously in a world where Brody Lee and John Silver exist. I was going to say, you know, like, Murphy is basically like John Silver, but without any of the endearing comedy. What uh, the fuck, Murphy? What the fuck? He just, like, gets beaten up by, like, the bearded, black-haired man. Um, and that's it. Uh... What was the line that they had today? It was when, um, was it Evil Uno who made the joke and Brody Lee says, we're over as fuck on the internet right now and you're going to make jokes like that? You're going to, what was it, make Matt Cardona jokes? Yeah. (laughs) It's the best. It's just so good. Uh, We had a Kit Kat commercial with R-Truth and Liv Morgan. It's great. The second best promo about a sugary snack of the day. Yeah, they weren't even the best one on Monday. MVP is still out there on commentary, and this is where they announced that Mandy Rose was traded to Raw. We didn't talk about this because this happened after Rewind to SmackDown. Uh, But yes, they announced on Talking Smack, Mandy Rose to Raw. And the story explanation was that this was a favor that The Miz called into uh, the USA Network because he knows people at USA as a way to... Which he did tease on the SmackDown promo at the end when he pulled his phone out to say he was going to call in a favor. As a way to fuck with Otis, you know, so... uh, Definitely add some heat to this, like, um, I don't know, Otis and Miz storyline by allowing Miz and Morrison to take credit rather than... I would imagine, like, the plan has, has been perhaps to move Mandy away from SmackDown or move away, move her away from Otis anyway. And rather than just having her move away via draft, uh, why not pin it on Miz and Morrison? The timing of it definitely is, yeah, suspicious for that reason, but I think that would be why. Um it also makes you wonder, like, are we going to get an actual payoff, like a break up, break up with this Mandy and Otis thing? Or is it just, uh, are they just going to fizzle like this? Because that would be a shame. We're going to know real quickly in a few weeks if this is something where there is some kind of payoff or if this was more, they just wanted Mandy on Raw and they're dropping this thing and moving on. And at least gave you a storyline reason for her moving over. Uh, and they don't, Otis and Mandy become Bobby Lashley and Lana. Hmm. Charlie is with the Mysterios, the whole family. Dominic can't back down from any challenges, even a steel cage. 
And Ray says that perhaps it's Seth that is the one that should be concerned with Dominic and not the other way around. So our cage match saw the family out there as they walked with Dominic down. MVP doesn't think Ray is being a good dad, not realizing his son's limitations. Dominic hit a big tornado DDT, and then Murphy appears instantly, and he passes a kendo stick into Rollins to attack Dominic with. He's uh, rubbing his face into the cage. Then a head scissor sends Rollins into the cage, and Ray passes a kendo stick to Dominic, who attacks Rollins. He's covering up, and then he rams Rollins into the fence. Both get crotched on the top rope. Ray is jumped by Murphy, and Murphy, the idiot, slams the cage door without looking at who's there. And wouldn't you know it, he slams the door on Rollins. And he gets knocked to the... uh, uh, he gets knocked to the floor by Dominic as he tries to block Dominic from climbing. Dominic hits a frog splash to Rollins, and then Dominic climbs to the top and hits uh, gets hit with the superplex into the Falcon Arrow for a two count. And then after the roll up by Dominic, Rollins kicks out, hits him with the stomp on the rebound, and then a second stomp. And Seth Rollins hands Dominic his first loss. Eleven minutes, fifty six seconds before what? Seth. It's not Dominic's first loss. When did he lose prior? His first pinfall. He's never been pinned? You're kidding me. Didn't... Oh, he lost at SummerSlam. He he lost at SummerSlam. You're right. Yeah. Was that it? Uh, He beat Murphy last week. He beat Murphy last week. What was the tag match ending with Ray and Ray and Ray and Dominic beat Seth and Murphy at the at the pay per view? And then it was like a match that was supposed to be Ray versus um, Seth, and then Dominic had to replace him, right? So, and that was that was Seth and Dominic too, wasn't it? Oh, he lost he lost to Seth. Yeah, he's lost to Seth on TV, and he lost him at SummerSlam. So I don't know what I'm talking about. But you know, I thought this was another good match. I, I feel like most of these, if not all these, Dominic matches have been good, and certainly it's a lot of credit to him. But of course. Uh, most of the credit should be going to somebody like Seth Rollins, who he was great, has yeah. been doing some of the best work of his WWE run as part of this feud. And I think the fact that it's still going on, and the fact that it's still relatively hot, uh, I would say really hot, you know, because I thought this was the best match on the show. Um, I thought uh, tells you how you know what great work he's been doing. Uh, it was a good cage match, no dull moments, strong story throughout, and I thought the crowd noise sounded really good here too, you know along with, like, a heightened level of excitement for the announcers. I mean, I definitely noticed a difference between the crowd noise for a match like this and what they would use for some of these other matches. So they can definitely enhance... Like, there there are different levels of enhancement that they save for the big matches versus the small matches. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dominic's... I, I say, like, Dominic's really over, and I have that confidence, even though we don't have live crowds despite what Vince McMahon told Dominic right after SummerSlam. Did you see that? Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, maybe he means the reaction in Gorilla. I guess so, yeah. Perhaps that's how he meant I haven't seen that whole episode, but it sounds like it was pretty good, especially the Dominic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I think, listen, Dominic, they've done a very good job with, and to his credit, I think he's done a very good job with what's been given to him, but I think, like, the unsung or maybe the deserved... Um, guy that deserves the most credit is, is Rollins. I think he's been fantastic from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And what is the next step in all of this? Like, are you just kind of waiting for Ray to hopefully come back and do him and Seth? I mean, what? I like, think we just saw the next step. 
in the closing angle here. Well, Seth gives a kiss to Murphy on the forehead and it beats the hell out of him for his screw up. And then as Seth is leaving on his own, he goes to Angie and Aaliyah and tells Angie, hell of a job you did. Hope she turns out better. (laughs) And he leaves. Brutal. As they go into the ring to check on Dominic, Aaliyah stops to check on Murphy before going in to see Dominic. And they're calling for the medics for Dominic, who has been laid out. So I think Aaliyah is definitely jumping in. She's she's going to be involved somehow, maybe even teasing some sort of relationship with Murphy. Maybe she turns into a disciple. Who knows? But to me, this is an indication that like this Rollins Mysterio storyline is is going to see like uh, definitely an extension. And I do wonder like how far they can go with it. You know, they're just going to keep dragging Mysterios into this thing to drag it all the way out to Mania. Um, listen, Aaliyah, like Dominic's been good. But we know the true star of the children and the next generation of the Mysterios has always been Aaliyah. Okay? Um, so I I look forward to seeing what they're going to do with her. Yeah, I mean, you could have Murphy realign with, with Seth and Aaliyah somehow joins them. I guess you could go that route if you wanted to. It's got to end with her, like, singing happy birthday to dad or something. Oh, my God. When's Ray's birthday? Let's see this. This could be, that would be the ultimate, uh, you know, 10-year payoff to that great angle they did. Uh, December 11th. I mean, we're not that far away. Oh, like, let's just get it. a, let's get a few more months out of this one and we can do it. Even falls on a Friday too. They could get drafted. Wow. All right. Uh, we go to Raw Underground. Ziggler's murdering a guy. Riddick Moss comes in with Ziggler. So they had a fight. Uh, Ziggler. Got a bulldog choke applied, but Moss got free and elbowed him. And then Braun comes in to attack. And Braun kills Moss with this urinagi. And then Ziggler gets flipped off of the shoulders of Braun. And we'll check back in later. We presume that Braun just went through every single person on Raw Underground during our time away. I guess so, yeah. Um, Like, I don't... You know, like, I see Riddick Moss on, like, the, this Raw Underground, and I think he's actually been looking really good. And I thought this thing with Dolph, like, Dolph was looking great. He was, like, using his amateur wrestling in here. So, like, I, I sometimes wonder if the purpose of this, like, Raw Underground is to help guys like Riddick Moss. And then I see the segment, and I'm like, nah. Like, this he's, is just supposed, Braun. he's just supposed to play a body that's supposed to get beaten up. Charlie was with Drew. He hopes that Keith does whatever it takes. He didn't run in last week until Orton had already hit the RKO, implying that Lee was seconds away from getting beat anyway. And Lee is eavesdropping and comes in and tells Drew not to drag his name and reputation. I thought we were friends. And Keith takes issue with the idea that Orton had him beat. Drew's like, come on, dude. They get heated and then Drew nails them and they get into this big fight in the back. They're going all over the place. Until they are separated. I I thought it was like, you know, decent exchange with like good logical reasons for them escalating the hatred between one another throughout the episode. And I think for me, like the end result is that like Keith Lee continues to be established in sort of this top level mix. I wouldn't say as an equal to Drew McIntyre because the man hasn't like he's had a significant over Orton, but they haven't been putting him over, I would say, strong enough to the level of those two guys. But um he is an, amongst the top picks. I just felt like they they went f- through like so much in this show between these two. Like 
we're coming off like maybe it's a little unfair to compare, but we're coming off like a friendship breakup that took so long to uh, climax. And here it's like these two friends, like we're supposed to believe like they had this legit friendship and this tears them apart to such a degree. And all of this happens within one show. Oh, I wouldn't have booked the match to begin with. Like Keith Lee versus Drew McIntyre, I think is something you definitely say for down the road. But then again, it just all are... screamed like just reactionary to what they were facing tonight. I just oh, think like, this was thrown out there when it didn't it, way too early. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, like, it was a raw match. Like, it's, these are meaningless. You know, like, when I, and I say that because you know that they're, you're not going to get a finish anyway. So, anyway, yeah. We go back to Raw Underground, and Titus wants to enter. Jordan lets him in. I don't know what the criteria is to enter Raw Underground. Like, does Jordan just size you up? Does he look at your sure dog record? I mean, do you have to be licensed by the commission in Florida? Like, what... What does it take to get in the door? You clearly don't even have to pay an admission fee. You know, like Titus just like asked to go in and he, I think it's maybe an age requirement. I mean, maybe 18 plus. It's like Vince McMahon thinks that these fight clubs are like nightclubs. And maybe he's confusing the two that, you know, there's a bouncer that lets you in and cards you at the, at the front. Yeah. I mean, no temperature checks, clearly. No, no questionnaires, nothing like that. No rules. No masks. Uh, Braun is shown killing people, kicks Moss to the floor. Titus attacks Braun, and he just gets guillotined. The guy's out cold, and then Braun jumps on top of him. Uh, Big Shane McCarthy here jumps on top and finally stops him way too goddamn late. It's clear they're, like, portraying Titus as sort of, like, the joke character of Raw Underground. Like, he, like, you know, makes these, like, pumped up entrances full of fire and then he just gets like he, he wasn't a joke a few weeks ago he was just wrecking uh, everybody uh, i don't know about that like they had him go over like some jobber but then it was like riddick moss of all people beat him right but it wasn't done in like in a comedic way i mean it was like he killed I, a guy and then he had a really competitive fight with riddick moss i, took I it thought it was much. done in a swervy way because they built him up as like a big competitor but then he lost to riddick moss you know like, clearly, he's not somebody you're supposed to take seriously. Well, not here. Uh, he was just left for dead. We'll come back to Raw Underground. Or would we? Uh, we had... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is our second of three Raw Underground segments. Kevin Owens and Aleister Black. Black jumped them during the entrance, and then we come back. Black is now wearing black uh, tights instead of trunks. And Black works on Owens' knee for all of the match and then gets nailed with a super kick out of nowhere. But Owens knee buckles the lights flicker. And this bothers the guy who lived in the dark for a year and gets hit with a (laughs) stunner. He looked like such a fool here. Owens pins him off the distraction of the lights flickering. And Michael Cole proclaims what a courageous victory for Kevin Owens, who just skirts by to win MVP says, is no one going to bring up that the lights just flickered? I thought this was such a silly finish that had to work around here. Terrible finish. Um, this this lights flickering is like even lazier than just having somebody's music come on leading to a roll up. I mean, um, Alistair Black geez. is maybe the last guy that should be afraid of the dark. He should do the angle where like the lights go off and he still wrestles like normal because um, he could see in the dark. Yeah, um, I thought the match was 
like good, I think, between these two. But the problem is like they're still keeping Alistair Black's heel turn an unexplained mystery. We don't know why he turned. Um, Kevin Owens doesn't know why he turned. The answer is we can now beat him without feeling that much bad uh, about building him up. Uh, where you can just so. take, eat a loss here. I, I think doing the match before knowing the character's motivation prevented me from really getting into it. Like, it feels like a story where I've missed a couple of significant chapters. I think it's fine to, like, be able to tease some sort of mystery about, like, why you hate me. Um, but I... I feel like they were moving on here and going right to the match rather than maybe playing with that sort of like tease and mystery a little bit more. Drew and Lee then resume their fight in the back and Adam Pierce screams at them and he threatens to cancel their match tonight. Which yeah. I get, I guess we just believe that Drew is like the honorable champion because listen, if it was me, my job was killing me and this is my out. Like, screw it. This will get me out of this match. I don't want to be wrestling anyway. Then he would have to drop the belt. No, the match is canceled. It's out of his control. Oh, I guess it would be a loophole. Yeah. Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan against Natalia and Lana with Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax on commentary. Uh, this match was shorter than my preamble just to set all the players in place for this thing. Morgan knocked Natalia off the apron, slid under Lana, tagged Ruby. They hit the double knees, Riot kick, a minute 15. Um, I feel like a lot of time was probably cut from this match, don't you think? This late into maybe, Raw, maybe not. Right before yeah, the last, this segment. was this was extremely rushed. Yeah. Um, it this it seems to me like they're not really treating this as a priority. <laughs> like, no, Sh- Shayna and Naya. I'm not even sure what story they have anymore because they're not even a team that can't get along. They actually just they get along fine, and I just feel a complete lack of heat for these belts and this division as a whole right now. Yeah. Baszler and Jax got into the ring. They beat the shit out of Lana and Natalia cleared the desk and Jax put Lana through the desk with a Samoan drop. So I don't know who I'm supposed to be rooting for in this title match. I think Shayna and I are baby faces, right? Wait, they're not. I mean, they laid out the heel team. Yeah. I think they're baby faces. Shayna is definitely a baby face, right? She beat like Bain they beat Bailey and Sasha. So yeah, they're I think they're they're both baby faces. So we got two baby face tag teams. Yeah. Which could be fine. It's just it, a match. It, it, which could be fine if you cared about them. Um you know, it's there's the everything's taken a big hit without Bailey and Sasha for sure. What if these two teams did some obstacle courses together in different activities on site, uh, different locations week after week? That is they don't do that anymore, you know? Remember when, like, good classic booking was like that? Yeah, stuff like axe throwing and... Mm-hmm. Uh, then Michael Cole announced, no one in sports or entertainment care about their fans more than WWE. This Thunderdome was created for the WWE Universe at the world-class Amway Center. You know, you could say that in so many different ways that doesn't come out as F all those other leagues. We're so much better. You could word this in such a normal human way. Right. That's not that's not what they do. They care about the fans so much they created this, as opposed to like the NBA for not putting a thousand LED screens in. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been going through an unprecedented pandemic this year, and the world is uniting to try and bring 
a sense of normalcy with sports and entertainment. And thank goodness that we're seeing an ability to put on these shows for you. And WWE is doing its part with this Thunderdome. Fuck the NBA. (laughs) Braun is still destroying people. Riddick Moss got resurrected. He comes back. A left hand drops Moss. Ziggler comes back. And it's two on one. It's a handicap raw underground match. Braun kills them. And then Daba Kato steps up to Braun Strowman. And Shane says, whoa, 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 whoa. This is way too big to just throw away. Which was amazing when that's how Raw is pretty much booked 90% of the time. I thought that was the most funniest part of this show. The acknowledgement that when you have a big match, you promote it for a week. And yet we don't do that for 80% of the show week by week. They usually build up a like throughout the week. You know, in the middle of the week at least. Not last week. Last week was who can stop Randy Orton? That was the buildup up until like an hour before Raw that they announced some matches. Right. So that's next week. Braun Strowman versus Daba Kato in the Raw Underground. Main event, Drew McIntyre, Keith Lee. Lee nails him in the jaw right away, so he didn't leave any drama. He had to do that. We have a blood feud now. He's wearing a singlet now, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he didn't have like those those shorts deal. Still had the weird music. Well, he last last like in the prior weeks he was wearing this sort of like sleeveless bodysuit type of thing. This week he was wearing like straight up, I think you know, wrestling singlet. And I, I think the guy should just like retain his shirtless NXT look. Like there's nothing wrong with the way he looked at all. And I don't know who back there is still so so stuck in the '80s that there's any sort of concern about this man having you know, a non-bodybuilder's physique. Like, nobody cares about that. You know, has, has, has like, Vince never seen, like, a strongman competition? Like, Keith Lee actually has abs. He looks powerful as fuck. So, I don't know why you would change that. There's a flying clothesline off the top by Drew, does the kip-up, Lee blocks a suplex, breaks the grip, doing the, the strongman deal, nails Drew with a clothesline, then Lee goes for a superplex, hits it, Drew kicks out, Spirit Bomb gets stopped, and then Retribution surround the ring. So Drew and Lee power up together, and they take on Retribution. Matches thrown out, cameras all over the place. And then the Hurt Business walk out. They brawl with Retribution, ending with stereo dives by Lee and McIntyre, taking out everyone. It's the domino spot on the floor as the show goes off the air. We didn't get a winner. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I I thought Hurt Business, like, they looked like total heroic baby, baby faces, didn't they? Oh, they were Amanda. positioned as, like, they're standing up for everybody. How could you boo these guys? Like, walking into a fight where they're grossly outnumbered, you know, they get a big entrance with their big music and everything. Like, Ricochet and Paulo were nowhere to be found. They weren't risking themselves like this, so why would I cheer those guys? Yeah, I mean, I don't get the sense that you're going that way with the Hurt Business, but that's totally how they came off. Like they were, they were the only them. ones standing up for the for like the whole locker room. Like they had their yeah. selfish reason that it's for money, but that's that's like they were the ones standing up to retribution. So. I mean, they should have cowered away, honestly, if they're supposed to be booked as heels. Like they would make a big grand entrance, and they'd be like, "Fuck this, we're leaving." You know, uh, the match itself is exactly what I think you would have expected. Um, just, you know, I, like, effective stalemate, I would say. They booked between the two. The idea was that it was, like, two agile 
heavyweight, like in a Godzilla-like battle. But it ultimately ended up being pretty flat because nobody expected a proper finish. Um, and as a result, like it's hard for me to get excited about any match on Raw, no matter how attractive it might look on paper. Because I know in the end, they have so many masters to serve, they can't risk anybody losing. They can't risk giving this a finish. They can't risk giving that. And it's just ultimately just a way for me to try to pay attention. Um, but this Raw... I think they did a good job building this Raw up on paper with what looked to be significant matches. But by the end of it, the result is sort of the same as ever. You know, these are matches that, for the most part, I thought under-delivered with insignificant results. A show that feels very long. Um, And I wouldn't say, like, throughout this entire show, there were any sort of significant moments I really had to watch, you know? Like, this episode, I thought, like, what was not, what, what did you have to see? To keep up with any sort of story. If I, if someone was coming to me and said, hey, what is, what, what do I have to see on Raw from Monday? I would say probably nothing. You have to see. If you want to get the Coles Notes version of Raw, cage match was fine. Um, Aaliyah, uh, great, um, caressing, but uh, checking on Buddy Murphy. That to me was the most significant thing on the show. Like, that's what it comes down to. And, like, you brought up the point several times about, like, it doesn't matter what match is announced. You know if it's a big enough match, there's the easy out that they have. And once that's drummed into you, and matches don't matter regardless of, like, what good is star power if you can't cash in on that star power to carry a show? If you, like, there was no one that was anticipating McIntyre pinning Lee or vice versa, and... Like that to me is like, it doesn't matter who your stars are on the show. If you believe it's not worth your time, who's sticking around for that. And, and that is not something you just change one week from the next. That is a long period of educating your audience that we will deliver when we have a big match. And I don't think you have that at all. And that's like, even like we talk about AEW, but like NXT, I think that Yes, there are times they have their their screwy finishes, but I think that you feel like when there is a big match, you have more of a confidence that you're going to get a payoff to it. See, like even the four-way, to me, that was not inconclusive. I mean, it wasn't the conclusion that I think, you know, you might have expected at the end, but there was still development. It still moved that that program, it whittled it down from a four-man to a, to a singles match. Like this was just nothing. You know, this was guys like lifting each other, doing a few pretty moves, and then retribution comes in, and we forget that any of this ever happened. And to me, that's just insulting. I mean, and again, I, I'm not surprised because it's like it's a, it's exactly what we'd we'd expect. But if you're gonna actually try to compete with the NFL, just give us a proper finish. What do you really have to lose? Okay, so Keith Lee loses the. I wouldn't book the match, period, okay? But, like, you could book Drew McIntyre versus anybody else in a proper title defense, have Drew McIntyre beat that person, and then move on. Or do something crazy, like have Keith win. It's a non-title match. He's the alternate. Sure. Orton does the match, and Keith Lee doesn't get the title oh. match, but he has this win holding over Drew. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean they're so protective of Drew. I just don't know if I would put those two together. What would happen to Drew if he lost this match tonight? Um, N- numbers nothing. plummet next week. No, of course not. Um, they wouldn't be a crowd. Think, crowd turns on him. But the focus is still supposed to be on Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton, right? I mean, 
Yeah, you could. Sure, you could. I, I guess I just... I know, I understand they have a lot to, like, uh, go up against because they, they've got to make sure raw numbers are still good. they got to make sure they have pay-per-view main events that they can build up to. At some point, something has to give, though. And at this point, it's your audience that's really giving because you're... We've been conditioned for so long to not take Raw seriously um, that I I didn't even get excited for this. Well, that was Raw. I didn't think um, a strong show. Uh, I just think like this felt like a show that yes, they keep it moving. They they promoted a lot. I like the fact that they had like you know four matches out throughout the weekend that you knew you were building to. That was a definite positive. Yeah, you know, at least having a card. Yeah, I think that. Certainly helps, um, but it just feels like everything is done for the next segment, the next hour, and I, I can't tell you like there's any strong stories that I'm into. Like I'm not really behind this retribution angle. I, I, I do feel like Rollins and Ray, like everything they've been doing, has been really strong. So that to me is like that is the strongest thing, thing going going on Raw. That it's yeah. been your longest built out uh, story. That's been going back months. Uh, between the two. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that that's intriguing right there. And Oscar's like, you know, just kind of desperate for challengers. Shayna and Naya are just a random pair that's put together right now without any other competitors. Um, Owens and black, like what the fuck's going on there? Um, and the retribution. All right, well, let's go to the forum and, Tonight's show is going to get a pass or a fail. Wait, what is your prediction? I already looked. No. A 5.2, a pass. We go to David from Tejas. Hey, guys, hope all is well. Tonight's edition of Raw was a bit better than expected. The bright spots are the Dominic Rollins story as well as the Drew-Keith Lee feud. Dominic is slowly but surely coming into his own. Keith Lee is also handling the call-up well. SmackDown's the better show for me, however, as I cannot wait for Sasha Banks on Friday. By the way, have you decided what platform you will use for Friday? Seven Washington football team sacks out of ten. Well, that is definitely Way's uh, department, not mine. I am just the passenger. TBD, but I think we're going to give try to give Zoom another chance. Zoom is a big hit on Friday, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I think my issues were more just on the internet on my end, so I have to sort that out. We go to Paul from New Jersey who says, After the New York Giants stink up the field the only way they can, I tune into Raw and I can assure you... Oh, by the way, I, sorry, I, I'm just taking a break from Paul's feedback. Uh, no Iconics on this show? Taking a break nothing. from the, them? You're right, yeah. I didn't even notice. You're right, we had nothing from either of them tonight. I mean, like, if there's no storyline for them at the pay-per-view, I guess there's no real reason for them to be around, right? They just broke them up. Why did they break them up? I, I really don't know. I, I I wonder if there's more to that story. But uh, he says, uh, another word salad promo from Retribution. Lead guy sounds like Mansoor. No, it's uh, Dijak. Really enjoyed the steel cage match, and I actually enjoy Shane and I in the ring together. But whose bright, bright idea was it to put them on commentary? Peyton Royce's singles push is already stalling. Three missed field goals out of ten. Andrew from Cape Breton. So the Retribution angle continued, and I know she's she's kind of been seen with the group. But I'm really happy for Mercedes Martinez. She's turning 40 this year. I remember seeing her in the very first Shimmer main event in 2005 against Sarah Del Rey. It's amazing to see how far she's come and the opportunities she's finally able to have. Since she's been around for a few weeks, I'm guessing she's going to be one of the figureheads along with Dijakovic and the main people in that promo tonight that John reported on. 
Cedric Alexander looks a lot less like a geek than he, than when he was teaming with Rick Shea and the Hurt Business is probably the best thing that's ever happened to him in his career. The main negative of tonight was Braun Strowman and his terrible attempts at real fighting. He seemed really clunky, and with him, it looks like they're getting away from the shooters who can work a certain style to trying to rebuild him after his universal title loss. Five, Pineapple Pete sightings out of ten. Did Pineapple Pete make it onto Raw tonight? I didn't notice. I mean, Mercedes Martinez is, I mean, we look at the women's division. I mean, she's a great addition for either roster. Definitely, definitely. And I think giving her the fast track onto the main roster, uh, she is sorely needed, especially on a roster as thin as Raw's right now. I mean, even on the SmackDown side of things, you know, again, you have Charlotte that's out, Becky that's out. You know, Shayna and, and, and Bailey, uh, Sasha and Bailey can only be doing so much. So definitely good move. And Miriam as well. That's it. Uh, we have one more here. Um, There's not much. All right. This one. Well, there we go. Thank you, everybody. For your I'll feedback. read it because we pointed it out. Matt oh. Mateo from San Mateo says, I seriously don't know how you guys watch the show each and every single Monday for three hours. What kind of ending to Raw was that? So many camera cuts, I was seriously getting sick. God bless you guys. Feel so bad. Seriously thinking of upping my patronage for you two. By the way, I love the MMA coverage and the Brandon from New Jersey segments. Always makes me laugh. Okay, so that it was significant. Well, and this is the week for you. The Rocky Maya via picture show. Yeah. Uh, what movie? Uh, Empire something. Uh, yeah, look up, it I'll look it up. I'll look it up quick. Um, it, it, uh, <laughs> Empire? Empire State. Empire State. I'm not familiar with that one at all. Me neither. Um, the man's done a lot of films. Oh, there you have it. Chris from LA and Brandon from New Jersey joining Nate this Saturday for that one. So that one should be fun. It will I'll, be for Brandon. I'll be checking it out, yeah. Presented by Chonkalas. 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 Chonkalas? Yeah. That is it for us. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. We're going to be back Tuesday night. Rewind away the Great American Bash 1990. Oh, G1 contest. Oh, please wait. Let everyone Why? know. Uh, postwrestling.com slash G1. It is wide open right now. You can get your entries in before Friday. Friday midnight. So Friday evening after SmackDown essentially is when we are closing the contest, but you can get your brackets in, make all your predictions, do all the research that you want, take your calculators out, calculate up all the points, pick who is going to win every single match of the G1. It is a great way of just getting engaged with this entire tournament, giving you somebody to cheer for every single time. Um, and it's just fun to try to play Gato, you know, uh, once a year. It's free to enter. Just enter your email address, your name, uh, you should get a copy of like your results um, after you hit submit. And again, uh, enter by Friday. Postwrestling.com slash G1. Yes. Uh, we also did a G1 preview, myself and WH Park, on Saturday's edition of Post Pro Res. That's up on the site for everybody, as well as my interview with Keith Elliott Greenberg. So you can check that out uh, from Sunday. So are you submitting picks this year? Um, Maybe. We'll see. Come on. Have you? I haven't yet. I will. You have the Great American Bash still ahead of you tonight. I have started it. You have started it. Okay. I have. I have. I have some of it left. Yeah, it's eleven matches. Oh yeah, I know. Okay, well then let's uh, say good night, and we will be back Tuesday night with Rewind Away. <laughs>